sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Tell you why the day is so Good evening. Welcome to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design, the District of Dinah, and this week, the American Society of Interior Designers. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your early evening with some booze and conversation. I used to say Sunday evening, but now we're on two nights a week. So Saturday and Sunday early evening with some booze and conversation. <laughs> um, tonight, we have a tremendously talented interior designer with us. Jennifer Horseman, a principal at Lennox House Design, is with us. Jennifer, welcome to Drink in the Style. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And we spent a good deal of time kind of uh, uh, bullshitting here in the, yes. uh, in the studio, so we've also had an oak, <laughs> which are two warm-up shots. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a great show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we are unfortunately not joined, or maybe fortunately not joined, it's hard to say, by our traditional coctologist, who is once again taking care of some family matters in the lovely state of Wisconsin. Therefore, I will be doing double duty as, uh, as in-house coctologist and radio program host. Brett Johnson, however, our producer in the box, is going to be adding some color from the sidelines. I will try. I can't quite meet the uh, Dan Newkirk standards, but I'll do my best. <laughs> then you need to lower your standards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we start up some drinking music and we will dive into our spirit creation. This evening by request, we are going with a standard, the Moscow Mule is going to be on the menu. Most folks have tried a Moscow Mule by now, um, but it has uh, stood the test of time a little bit. Yes, it has. It had a, uh, a heyday, and everybody was doing them for a while. Faded just a tiny bit, but it's not gone away, and it remains a popular go-to drink. Right? Yes. What do you like about the Moscow Mule? I love ginger beer. Uh, fair enough. All right. So the alcohol is a vehicle to... Uh, it's an added bonus. Nice. All right. So a Moscow Mule, for folks who don't know, is uh, three ingredients generally served in a copper mug or glass. Those ingredients are uh, ginger beer, which is non-alcoholic, unfortunately, Um, (laughs) gin, and then lime juice. So we're going to be adding one and a half ounces of gin. In this case, we've chosen to go with a locally distilled, very tasty gin called 10,000 Drops Craft Distilleries um, out of Faribault, Minnesota. Then you have a half an ounce, roughly, of lime juice. We're going to throw this in using our jigger and a quick eyeball. Finish off with ginger beer. Little radio broadcast sound. sound. Mm -hmm. And then garnished with an imaginary lime. Which is through there. And that's it. Generally served with a quick spin, a quick uh, uh, rotation, a twist, a stir. You don't want to get the uh, the uh, uh, carbonation worked out of the drink, so you want to be light on it. And that's it. Uh, fabulous drink. And overall, Jennifer, tell me, since you requested this drink, mm-hmm. is this what you will go to as an order if you are at a bar or restaurant? Usually, yes. I, I'm generally the designated driver or okay. the most responsible of the group. <laughs> so, so I can have one of these and sip on it, and I still look good holding the cup. 
and it tastes good all the way through, and they're great, especially when it's hot outside. That's a great point. I was going to ask, now, when you usually do it, is it uh, a pre-dinner drink or post-dinner drink or just throughout, all but it's just above. one size works beautifully? Yes. All right. Now, these are fantastic. I've got them made. We'll give it a really quick uh, taste. Brett? Dude. See? Delicious. Delicious. I mean, the ginger beer, everybody likes ginger beer. Can't go wrong. I don't like sweets. It's fairly sweet, but it's 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 just plain. It's got good. enough tartiness to it, and there's there's definitely different types of ginger beer that are better mm -hmm. than others. What's so, your favorite brand? I don't know if I can tell you that because it's my husband that's the mixologist at home. Uh, so he always just buys what I like and mixes it and hands it to me. God dang it. You know, yes. all right. I am I'm lucky. <laughs> I got to have a word with Christina because we're everybody's spouse is making them a drink. And Christina never makes me drinks anymore. My mm. wife, mm -hmm. I, we were doing our habitation three o'clock since so many, uh, you know, since most everybody is working primarily from home. We have a three o'clock Zoom meeting. And as I'm sitting there on the Zoom meeting, Amy Heimerman, yeah. who is uh, absolutely fabulous, handles to the trade and commercial projects and things, is sitting there. And suddenly her husband brings over a cocktail that he made for her, <laughs> drops it in front of the camera, something with blue carousel, in fact. It was mm -hmm. a big deal. Yo, Christina is not greeted me with a martini since the latter part of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And my husband is one. He'll, he'll bring her cocktail and he'll deliver me a... You know, nice plate of cheese and crackers and really? I know I'm very lucky. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. I know. He just, takes good care of me. Brett, just go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Although we have a uh, Christina Rich with an angry face on the stream. <laughs> or is that a laughing face? <laughs> Always an angry face. <laughs> um, all right. Well, with or without your spouse making you a cocktail, the Moscow Mule is top notch. Let's move to our next question, our, our random icebreaker question. And it's not random because I happen to know, Jennifer, that you have a soft spot uh, in your heart for this as well. I do. But... You love musicals. I do. What is your favorite musical and why? Well, so my answer would be Wicked if it's an in-person Broadway-style musical. Okay. Um, I love anything to do with The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz in itself is a musical, mm -hmm. and I started watching it as a young child. So it was always the idea of having this beautiful dream and overcoming the odds. Mm -hmm. And I've read all of the books, and I, I just devoured it as a little kid. So when Wicked came out as a musical and was traveling, um, I missed the first time it came around. And two years ago, my husband took me for my birthday and surprised me. Wow, so, you have a good husband. I do. <laughs> this guy's top notch. Yeah. Wow, shout out. So, what is it about Wicked that you like so much? I mean, uh, other than, you know, it's part of the genre. Yeah. Um, it's a story that's about strength and heart and friendship and overcoming the odds. I love that it's people being different and coming together mm -hmm. um, and just developing as characters. And of course, the music is unbelievable. It's, it's soul moving. Mm -hmm. And for me, having a seven-year-old daughter, I'm trying to instill in her this love of music and this love of theater and this love of expressing yourself in a way that's different than everyday life. So mm -hmm. musicals, to me, tell a story. And um, I think Wicked is just a really good story. And, you know, they teach a certain amount of style as well, which is... Which is interesting. I mean, you know, obviously, you don't break out into song. I occasionally have break I out into song, actually. Yeah, but <laughs> but you know, it just it it's 
it's metaphorical in the sense that, you know, the, the song indicates the real, like, digging into life to actually the joyousness or at least embracing whatever your emotions are. Yeah. My daughter actually uh, watched uh, recently High Society. Mm. And uh, she's going off to college in Rhode Island in the fall. Okay. Uh, and uh, for whatever reason, High Society showed up on the quarantine list of movies to watch. Okay. And she fell in love with it. So now even at dinner, she's occasionally got to, you know, crank up the High Society soundtrack. Yeah. However, I do worry a little bit that it may be skewing her expectations about what life in Rhode Island Maybe is a little. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jennifer Horseman from Lennox House Design will be talking about interiors. Stick with us. But you're as cold as yesterday's This is Dr. Sarah Brewer and Dr. LaShonda Jung from Roots Chiropractic. We all want a higher quality of life, but making that happen can be difficult. At Roots Chiropractic, we specialize in light touch specific neurological adjustments to support your body's natural ability to heal. From birth trauma to everyday bumps and falls and life's daily stresses, at Roots we offer natural drug-free solutions to keep every baby, child, parent, and grandparent thriving. Are you ready to restore your energy and achieve overall health? We are located off of Minnetonka Boulevard in St. Louis Park. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or on the web at rootschiropracticmn.com. Book your first appointment online today. Mention that you're an AM 950 listener and receive the VIP discount of 50% off your initial exam. Roots Chiropractic, located in the Texatonka Plaza in St. Louis Park. Roots Chiropractic, empower your life and health. Life is dull, it's nothing but one big lull Then presto you do a skull And find that you're reeling She sighs and you're feeling Like the toy on a string And your heart goes ring-a-ding, ding, ring-a-ding, ding, ring-a-ding, ding Welcome back to Drinkin' the Style. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and my guest is Jennifer Horseman from Lennox House Design. Hello again. Jennifer, this is fun. We've been having way too much fun. This show is, <laughs> is, is moving along nicely. Introduce us, if you would, to Lennox House. Yes. So Lennox House is a full-service interior design firm. We specialize in residential homes, specifically in architecturally designed and bespoke homes, okay. meaning custom for our clients. Mm-hmm. I also do high-end luxury remodels um, and dabble a little bit in some smaller remodels and furnishings for clients as well. Okay. Um, my niche is really new construction and starting jobs from the very, very beginning in early design development all the way through to window treatments Rugs, placing everything, art in the home, all the way through. Every aspect. Absolutely. So uh, builders, I assume you've worked with a number of builders in, in yes. town. Who who are some of the names that uh, my, us- my primary builder is Adore Homes, formerly known as Christ Development. Okay. Um, I also am working with Stonewood. Um, I am also working with Schrader & Company. Hmm. Um, I have a couple of smaller remodel companies, Nordahl Construction, Metro Remodeling, Buildwell Construction. Okay. So I have a lot of really great partners 
that I really enjoy working with. And I'm always looking at um, trying to branch out and work with new people as well because it keeps me fresh and challenges me. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I mean, it's uh, those are some great names overall. Are there a, is there a particular style that the majority of these builders work within or are you, are you a utility design player? I design for what the client needs. Good. Yeah, which you absolutely have to. Um, let's take it a step back. Lennox House. Yes. I know a lot of Lennox named types of things. It's yes. a wonderful sounding word and it uses an X. I love right? anything against that. Is there a story behind that? What is Lennox? Yes. So Lennox is the neighborhood in which I have lived in in St. Louis Park for the last 18 years. Oh, really? Yeah. I wanted to kind of give respect or an homage to the house that I've lived in where I was a single woman mm-hmm. and eventually went to school and went back for interior design to follow my passion. Um, I got married there. I had a baby there and built my family there. So I just wanted to be able to, as I broke out onto my own three years ago, um, I wanted to do something that encompassed how I felt about where we lived. And I also wanted that name to be able to translate if I was to ever move, where I was to ever grow my business, to mm-hmm. be able to have designers that can be represented with a name that isn't necessarily Jennifer Horseman interior design. Yeah. So I have, I've never been a hundred percent comfortable with naming something after yourself right. overall. Cause it also seems just necessarily limiting. Yeah. Um, well, I, I also believe because I strive to win awards and mm-hmm. have recognition just like most of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, if my name is on it as the interior design firm, you're overlooking who actually did the work. Mm-hmm. If you have people that are working with you. So my biggest thing was, is as I grow the business and strive for that big plan. As I gain staff, I want them to have their own name and get their recognition as part of this umbrella that's striving to give good design to the community. Oh, that's good to hear. That's wonderful to hear. And uh, named after a neighborhood in St. Louis Park. Park, Which I love. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) Well, I still like the name of the (laughs) business. I won't hold anything against you personally. <laughs> so, all right. Now, when you're do- working with a builder, remodeler, you're working on a whole house project yes. overall. What would you say are the fundamental differences between doing an entire house project and doing a more limited living room, dining room, or something like that? Uh, is there a big difference in how you think about things? I would say that the approach and the process that I take is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um the obviously the scope is going to be different. Um, I think when you're doing a multiple room project, especially if say it's an addition um, and you're trying to meld new spaces together to get open concept or put on a master suite, um, I'm trying to find a um, continuation within a home to tell the story mm-hmm. about how those clients live, how they entertain, what their lives are like, who they have in their spaces. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit limiting when working just on a living room. Mm-hmm. A living room you know, has a specific purpose usually. And um, it's, I can make it impactful and beautiful, but then you start to trickle out into these other spaces and they may not read the same. Mm-hmm. So when doing multiple rooms, I like to have that continuation of that story from one to the other. That's, you know, I mean, there. It, on one hand, you know, it's it's there's a certain amount of difficulty associated with it mm-hmm. in that it's a larger space and you've sure. got to think about multiple uses and things. But in truth, it's a it's like a giant 
it's a giant canvas that you can yes. paint on. Do you have difficulty carrying a whole story? And, you know, designers like to talk about stories, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, the listeners out there, it's a great way to think about designing your own space. Mm-hmm. It's not about just putting in stuff that looks pretty. Mm-mm. It's about telling a story. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is a great way to lead into things. But do you have difficulty making sure that that story remains honest for your clients throughout that entire space? I think most of the time, no, as long as the budgets are, are I'm not going to say necessarily ample, mm-hmm. but are true to what we're striving for. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are exceptionally limited by a specific category within a budget that says you only can choose A, B, or C, mm-hmm. and none of those follow true to what our, what our story is, what our vision is, mm-hmm. that can sometimes be limiting. But I may punch it up in another area to overshadow having to make that decision based on budget. So if it's a room that we had to compromise maybe on the millwork or the flooring, I may give you really beautiful furniture and gorgeous drapes that mm-hmm. will complement what we had to do. Mm-hmm. What about, so when you're doing these projects, do you tend to think about things as a budget as a whole or do you break it down into individual rooms and various allocations that can be moved as necessary? But yeah, I break it down. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a, a budget that a builder has given me and I'll allocate specifically, we know we have this much for countertops, this much for tile, break that down by the square foot so that I know, okay, we have this much to spend making sure we include freight, um, how many colors we get in our paint budget. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way to when I do budgets for furniture, I break them out line item by line item so we have a discussion about what our sofa costs are. At, at a certain manufacturer, I can do $3,500 or I may be able to do 6000 Where do you sit comfortably? Mm-hmm. So I think when you break it out individually, it helps people grasp how much things really cost mm-hmm. so that it's not just seeing a big number at the end. Right. You see how it all adds up and we get to make decisions on what we want to spend more on because that's important um, versus another. They may not be excited about spending $1,000 on a side table, but it's sofa they're going to sit on for a really long time. They're okay with spending $5,000 on and the transparency is is critical Super for helping important. them understand where that money is going and, and mm-hmm. how it, it comes together. Well, Did, and funny that you mentioned transparency because that's something that I pride myself on, and especially with the builders that I work with, is um, my, my process is transparent. How I work is transparent. What my profitability is is transparent so that there's never the question of I'm making more money than I should be making mm-hmm. or I'm charging more than what would be considered retail. Yeah, I think uh, in this day and age, it's appropriate. And that's Absolutely. also part of why you've got the, the fabulous reputation that you have. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, let's suck down a little more <laughs> Moscow Mule. <laughs> and then we'll come back uh, and we will be doing uh, we're gonna do maybe the musical notes on the return. So stick Ooh. with us. Maybe that she. So I never. Down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions So they've got to find those extra cups to fill They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil You can't get cherry soda cause they've got to fill that quota And the way things are, I'll bet they never will Welcome back to Drink in the Style God, I hate interrupting Sinatra Honestly, I'm so torn on this. Uh, welcome back to Drink in the Style. Saturdays at 7, Sundays at 5 on AM 950 here in Minneapolis. 
you know, you may also be listening to us as a podcast. And if you are, give me a five-star rating. It's good podcast karma. And failure to do so is bad podcast karma. It's simple, right, Brett? Yeah, that's how people can find your podcast. Do it. Absolutely the show. Absolutely true. And you need to the gosp- uh, spread the gospel of, uh, of Sinatra, booze, design. It all goes hand in hand. <laughs> it does. It's a beautiful ecosystem of nonsense and fuckery. <laughs> and the use of the woohoo on that, didn't we? I know you're making up for Dan today. I am. You're right. You're right. I am. All right. Let's do tonight's musical note since we are waxing poetic about Frank Sinatra. Uh, and uh, here we go. So, you are listening to one of my favorite Frank Sinatra albums, Ring-a-Ding-Ding, released in 1962. Now, you may not know, but in 1962, Sinatra left Capitol Records and launched his own label called Reprise. Reprise? I've never been sure. I've always gone with Reprise. Uh, it inaugurate, uh, to inaugurate this undertaking, he put together a satisfyingly up-tempo, energetic, swinging album that is jaw-dropping when played at high-volume levels. <laughs> the move sent shockwaves through the music industry and served as a template for a variety of recording stars who eventually moved to take creative control of their own work. The process has continued right up to today with several artists ranging from Prince to Kanye, but it was Frank Sinatra who said, I shall own my own musical creations. On the grass scale, and Jennifer, do you know the grass scale? I do not. G-R-A-A-S, the Gregory Rich Album Acquisition Scale. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about the masks sooner? Yeah, all right. Uh, This is an absolutely must-have album and comprises the third of the five must-have Sinatra albums. Add it to your playlist or grab it on vinyl. Either way, you will find yourself going back to it again and again. How can you not? It's Sinatra. It, it's, it's the finest of Sinatra. Yeah. And it is. And it's the up-tempo swinging stuff that is just... Makes you happy. ...what his nature is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ballads are great. And, you know, you go back to some of the slower ones. And, yeah, if you really want to wallow in sadness, he's a great accompaniment. Yep. Generally speaking, I don't. I want to be snapping and drinking and mm-hmm. what have you. Right. I would agree. All right. Excellent. So there it is. Now, back to design and Jennifer from uh, from Lennox House Design. Yes. All right. We were talking a little bit about working with builders overall and architects and things. But, you know, we might have missed kind of the 101 aspect of it, which is what, in your opinion, is the benefit of working with an interior designer at the start of a building a remodeling project? Yeah, it's a great question because um, I get that from clients all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's of utmost importance to have an interior designer as part of your team early on in the process. As you start, let's say you buy a lot and you're conceptualizing what this house could be. So not only is it about what the outside of the house looks like, it's how the house functions for you, what you're going to be putting into it how you need it to live for you. Um, Architects do a tremendous job of thinking mechanically and visually and making sure that the house reads well for the lot and is planned ahead for sight lines, what the view is, um, how the air blows through through the lot. There's a lot of that that goes into it that interior designers 
don't necessarily have the schooling to support. But what I like to do is being involved in the design process, being in the meetings with um, the architects as they have laid it out on the lot and discuss the important things of once the house is going to be built, what do you need? Where is your storage coming from? How are you going to be moving through the spaces with your children? How many butts do you need to sit in that big island? Butt counter key. Totally. Um, you know, the type of things that help integrate design into your life every single day. And I think a lot of people wait too long to get the interior designer involved to where design, all of your design construction documents have been issued mm -hmm. and you're coming in just to pick selections and you're going, well, wait, that, that wall's in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. You have a piece of furniture that you're taking that belonged to your grandmother that you want to incorporate and that's the only place it goes. What are we going to do about it? Right. So I take inventory of the things that you're bringing with you, um, the sizes of all of your furniture. Um, I floor plan everything to make sure that the furniture that's fitting in the space is going to work. Architects have general sizes and they do the best possible, but it's not always true. They may say a sectional is this big when really, because we want eight butts, we want it to be this big. Mm -hmm. So I, I urge my clients anytime I can get me involved. And I realize they feel like they're double dipping a little bit where they're paying for architects fees and then they're paying me. And it just feels like a heavy load up front. I'm a lot of times willing to do a little bit of, I'm going to say pro bono work up front and have a few meetings on the, on the front end to win the business and interject what I can to make sure that the documents that are issued further down give us the best house we can. You know, God, you've hit a ton of different things that I could have, that I could ask you for, but it, it, it's absolutely true. I mean, the architect is not versed in interior design. Correct. I mean, they are versed in math and the in the way, as you said, that the HVAC mm -hmm. works, things like that. But they aren't thinking about it. They don't have an understanding of what is the general size of a sectional that you might be using Correct. for this for this particular space. It's fascinating, also. So when you're working with your clients, you actually then they bring you out and you can look at the specific items that they're going to want mm -hmm. and make sure that space is built around it. Correct. Right. So I've often said that. All right. So an architect. His job is going to be fabulous and you are going to be obsessed with it for the first six months, maybe 12 months that you're living in a space. When you drive up and you see that beautiful house that mm -hmm. he's created or you walk in the front door and you are kind of overwhelmed by or just drinking in the joy of, of the space he's created. But after six or 12 months, you move into the I'm living in this space mode mm -hmm. and that's – what the architects are not trained in. No. It's what really impacts the quality of your life right. in that space. And that's what has to be fine-tuned by a designer to read exactly how you want it to. I want to make sure that your knives go in the right drawer, mm -hmm. that you have the correct drawers for your socks. Mm -hmm. I get to know my clients intimately on how they entertain their people, whether or not who likes to cook and who likes to bake and what those appliances are that are necessary, mm -hmm. um, how their children, what the sports they play and how they like to play with their friends. Um, Where are you going to put the very smelly soccer equipment? Totally. Uh, whether or not in. you need a, a belt pullout. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like to joke with my clients that say, I get to know you intimately enough. I know where your underwear goes. <laughs> and uh, most times I don't even know that about my friends, but Jennifer I do about my clients. Underwear placement right? But it's part of what I do because I have to make sure that there is a place for everything that we're thinking of mm -hmm. um, and make sure that I label all of my drawings to specifically like knife drawer pots, pans, you know, this specifically gladware. We need tray dividers here. So I'm constantly 
going through and reiterating everything we're doing. You are visualizing their life as it will be. In 2D drawings. The mm-hmm. architect, the design, uh, the architect, the builder, what have, and, and, and nothing against them, but it's just what they, they do. They do an amazing job. They are visualizing your life as it should be or mm-hmm. as they want it to be. And it's generally from the outside. Yeah. I'm super lucky to work with a number of really talented architects. Mm-hmm. Um, I work a lot with, with Colby Matson from Charlie & Co. I work with David Charles often. I've had the pleasure of working with PK on a number of projects. And so major talent here in, in the cities. And I love being handed a really beautiful project that's well thought out by the architects and then they give me the freedom to take and run with it to make it beautiful and embrace their vision. I constantly am asking questions about what did you see here? What can I do to make sure that your vision comes through, but it works super well for the family? And that's, I mean, and doing it at the front end of a project is the way you do it. Otherwise, Correct. designers, we are always coming back, and I'm not saying we, the, the industry, to quite honestly, and doing air quotes now, fix the architect's mistakes. Sometimes. They weren't architect's mistakes. They were that you didn't necessarily understand or he had no way of knowing what this space was going to be to you specifically. Mm-hmm. You are going in and you are helping people understand how that works. Well, and not only that, a lot of times we have to think about, I do a lot of project management within my services, and um, we have to think about how materials play in the same sandbox. Mm-hmm. So when an architect draws, you know, draws the entire plan, he's thinking about structural and um, how a space is going to flow. But he's not necessarily, or she, um, is thinking about how a material is going to return to another and how they're going to meet and whether or not there's an HVAC system that has to run through a space and get around a beam that we didn't plan for there to be a soffit. We don't want one. But because of architectural design, it we have to. We now have to drop it around a big mm-hmm. steel beam. Mm-hmm. So those types of things I like to try and point out and think from different perspectives because I'm the nucleus of the project. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that has all the answers. I know mm-hmm. the million different things about every space. And I have to make sure that every sub we're playing well together, and that includes the architects as they draw. You know, it's if you're building a home, you you are not the general manager as the home builder. You mm-hmm. should not be. You have people through that. But you are the CEO of the construction project, which means that your objective, your responsibility is to bring the right team in that is working together mm-hmm. to ensure that the outcome is exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to bring somebody in on the design front end, right? I agree. So let me ask you this, though. Let's imagine that people re- ignore our advice and for whatever reason choose not to involve a designer on the front end. What would you say are the key bits of information? Do you have a couple of golden tidbits for people to understand? I got three. Um, The first one is to be organized. Hmm. So you're going to have a lot of decisions to make. It's not just about picking pretty finishes. It's about making sure that you are documenting what those pretty finishes are, how they're going to work together, where they're going to be placed. So get a binder together. Put some file folders in there. Make it work so that you can do your walkthroughs efficiently and communicate well. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing is to document, document, document. Um, If someone screws up, you have to make sure that you have that documentation to support that it is or is not necessarily your fault and they need to fix it. But it's just document everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third thing is, is to have a realistic idea of budget. And I say this because I have tons of clients that come to me all the time and show me all their pretty Pinterest boards and all their house idea books and everything. And they're like, I want this specifically. 
And oftentimes they don't show me that those show those images to the builder that has already bid the job. Mm-hmm. So now we're having increases in costs because you wanted shiplap here or you wanted a specific looking fireplace design. And if you don't share that with your builder and, and your architect up front, you're going to have further costs down the line because it wasn't part of your bid. Mm-hmm. So to me, transparency and just know that those things to be designed properly and done with skilled craftsmen, they cost money. It's not free like HGTV. Real? Oh, God. Oh, don't start. Yeah. All right. There it is. Uh, (laughs) Let's take one more break. We'll come back. We'll do a quick Habitation audio blog, and then we will uh, share a quote and some more info. Stick with us. This is Dr. Sarah Brewer and Dr. LaShonda Jung from Roots Chiropractic. We all want a higher quality of life, but making that happen can be difficult. At Roots Chiropractic, we specialize in light-touch-specific neurological adjustments to support your body's natural ability to heal. From birth trauma to everyday bumps and falls and life's daily stresses, at Roots we offer natural, drug-free solutions to keep every baby, child, parent, and grandparent thriving. Are you ready to restore your energy and achieve overall health? We are located off of Minnetonka Boulevard in St. Louis Park. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or on the web at rootschiropracticmn.com. Book your first appointment online today. Mention that you're an AM950 listener and receive the VIP discount of 50% off your initial exam. Roots Chiropractic, located in the Texatonka Plaza in St. Louis Park. Roots Chiropractic, empower your life and health. There may be trouble ahead But while there's moonlight and music and love and romance Let's face the music and dance I just, I just got goosebumps listening to that song. That is one of my all-time favorites, Sinatra songs. Conceptually, lyrically, across that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Drinkin' the Style. We're joined by Jennifer Horseman from Lennox House Design out of <clears throat> St. Louis Park. <sighs> Jennifer, before I forget, <laughs> where can people learn more about Lennox House Design? I have a website at www.lennoxhousedesign.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and House, as well as Pinterest. And I strongly encourage folks to go out and take a look at some of the projects because we haven't talked about I thought about asking about some of the specific projects you've done because yeah. I was looking over your portfolio and you've done so many beautiful things. Thank you really, you. really have. Um, but this is a great top level. Go check it out. You guys can drill down into some of the things that, uh, that Jennifer has done. Yeah, there's lots to see. I'll do my quick mixology plug even though Newkirk isn't with me because I'm just that nice a guy. Ladies and gentlemen, please be aware that Mill Valley Kitchen and Benedict's in Wyzetta and uh, and uh, uh, Rochester, given the state of Minneapolis, I'm not sure what's going on with Mill, uh, with Mercy right now, but we are now open. They have seating. You can call ahead, both indoor and outdoor, and uh, let's get out of our houses and have some decent meals and drinks. Great. Support, girl, support our local restaurants. 100%. If you go to Chili's, don't listen to me. You're dead to me. No. <laughs> All right, let's do the habitation audio log now that I've just Moving heard the on. radio switches <laughs> switching off. 
All right, Habitation Audio Log Installment 65. Full steam ahead for the District Edina. This week launches the formal push into filling up the district building. I've recently engaged the lovely Marie Lemaire from Commercial Investor Groups, uh, Commercial Investor Group, a real estate broker who once owned her own furniture store, to help me identify and negotiate new tenants. The expectation is that Marie, by being a veteran in the furniture and design biz, will be able to speak directly to the benefits of the industry aggregation that is the District Edina. Currently, we're in the process of discussing partnerships with organizations in the building and remodeling industry, as well as the world of original fine art. I expect that Marie will be extraordinarily helpful in these categories, and I can't wait to see what she can do. Marie will be my guest on the program in a couple of weeks, and we'll be talking about tenancy in general, as well as the upcoming a socially distanced social event that we're planning as an adjunct to the more traditional means of introducing a new commercial space. So if you have interest in learning more about the district, I'd encourage you to shoot an email to Marie Lemaire at marie at commercialinvestorsgroup.com or dial her up at 763 639 8789. That's Marie Lemaire, 763-639-8789. Was that shameless or solid? <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I agree. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. You're very informative. Back to Jennifer. So, Jennifer, you're heavily involved with the ASID, of okay. course, friend of the show, sponsor of the show. I'm and on the membership committee. You are on the Well, member. kind of. What does that mean? I uh, I was on the membership committee for ten years. Okay. And I have taken a small leave of, of absence to focus on business, and then I help whenever I can. You know, it's it is hard. I mean, it's a volunteer organization. I sit on the PR committee, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I'd like to do more, but yeah. there's only so much that that you can contribute before you're drained. Totally. But. As an ASID member, yes, which you are. You, uh, I want to point out, you have won, among other things, first prize for yeah. the entire residency category at the ASID gala. Was it last year? It was, two thousand eighteen. Eighteen. So. Yep, and it was for my artisan tour from two thousand seventeen. Okay, outstanding. So I, well done. Congratulations. It's yeah, totally thank you. awesome. Uh, we, folks who don't know, we there's an ASID gala event in the IMS building and booze and yeah, mayhem. Big and gala. Sue. Everybody looks beautiful. It's really true. Yeah. And designers tend to be very attractive people, which mm-hmm. is which is lots of fashion, right? Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> let's move on to talk about <laughs> meaningful things. <laughs> There is fashion, though. There mm-hmm. is fashion. There's a reason why we have designers. This is true. But it's not just about beauty. It is no. not. I mean, people confuse design with pure aesthetics, and design is way more than pure aesthetics. Right. Design is about how you live, how you exist, and that is going to have an impact on your general healthfulness. Mm-hmm. Case in point, ASID's Design Impacts Lives Initiative, Mm -hmm. which is essentially the organization trying to help people understand that it is not just this chair is a pretty color. It's that everything around you is going to have an impact on how well you live and your general well-being. So with that said, let me ask you, what's your perspective on Design Impacts Lives? 
So when I thought about this question, I, I really looked at design impacting your life. And if you're a non-design related person, you may not totally understand that everything around you has been designed with you as a universal you in mind. The cell phone you hold, the car you drive, the lobby you walk through when you go to the office, um, your home, even if you live in a Lennar home versus a custom-built home, mm -hmm. it's all designed with a universal idea in mind. Um, design is meant to enhance your life. Now, there's good design and bad design, so you're going to sometimes run the gamut, but in general, it's always meant to enhance your life. It's supposed to make it easier more technology focused um, to allow you to live the best life you can safely um, with certain codes and standards. And people don't always think that when I walk through the mall that there's so much that thought is thought about that goes into your experience, whether it's the viscosity of the tile on the floor, um, the paint that's used on the wall so it's easily cleanable by the cleaning crew, um, to the glass that's used in the windows that is tempered so it can't be broken and hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. um, all of that is thought of as designers and architects and builders that our community cares about the health and well-being of the people that are being served in the spaces. And that goes for commercially as well as residential. Because I want to make sure that your home is smart, mm -hmm. well thought out, functional, safe, beautiful, healthy, all of those things. I mean, even look at it this way. I mean, give some thought. This is an embarrassingly simplistic view, but but I think this is going to resonate because it's true. If you have a den that you're setting up on a residential level, if you don't have proper seating around how that den is used, let's just talk about watching TV or something right. like that. If you don't have a proper design for how that room is going to function and you find yourself spending three hours a day in a contorted, twisted, uncomfortable position, try to use that space, that's going to have an impact. You're on not going to want to use the space. 100%. And if you do, God forbid, you wind up with back problems. You wind up with Lord knows what kind of twisted, uncomfortable Correct. you know, physical issues. So design is, yes, it is the aesthetics mm -hmm. that does matter. And frankly, things, in my opinion, should always be both beautiful and functional. Yes. And that's a beautiful world together. Yes. But the functional part is what's absolutely key. Right. And it takes a designer to be able to think holistically and put all those things in place. Mm -hmm. So when I make selections, it's it's all about form, function, budget, mm -hmm. health. I'll give you another example. I was actually recently looking at a property, and I'm not going to name anyone, anywhere, anytime, but well, <laughs> I will actually, but not in this case. Um and it's a senior, uh, it's a space designed for seniors. And in the bathroom, they used marble tile. Worst imaginable thing you could do. Marble is one of the slipperiest surfaces yes. that you will use in that space. How could you possibly think that that's a good choice? And yet the no. person who designed it was looking at it purely based on aesthetics, on aesthetics mm -hmm. and not talking about things like you know, viscosity within the tile, right? Right. And you think about just longevity of use. Marble, over the centuries, wears really well, mm -hmm. but it's also going to discolor mm -hmm. as it continues to get wet over and over, say, like in a shower floor. So I always have to prep clients to say, your shower floor is going to be gray mm -hmm. in a matter of months mm -hmm. because it traps in moisture even when we seal it. So let's just plan for your patina 
of that marble over time, and it's part of what you have to love about it. It's true. Function is 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 key in how it's going to be worked. I just I'm remembering I told the story to uh, to uh, Kristen Melbested from mm. Montagio, yes, yes, yes. Uh, who's been on the show. Wonderful her. bathroom kitchen designer. She's she. absolutely fabulous. And we put marble in our bathroom mm-hmm. master bath, which you know again we're not seniors and things like that. Our dog Ike, when he was young, decided that apparently peeing inside is allowed if it's by the toilet. So he would pee on the toilet, but then that would go down into the marble and discolor the marble. So for like the first three weeks, my wife thought I was peeing on the floor because it was turning oh. yellow. <laughs> <laughs> you can't eliminate that color once it's in there. So do you have a dog? And if you have a dog, you may want to consider how you can have these tiles discolored. <laughs> Cornstarch. <gasps> really? Cornstarch. If you put it on marble, it like almost as a paste, and you let it sit, it will lift some of the stains out of it. It won't take everything away completely, but if you do it repeatedly, it will help lift some of it. Oh my God! I'm going to try that because still to this day, Christina throws me a dirty look every now and then. Even though we caught Ike in the act, she still has serious suspicions. <laughs> try it. It may not totally take it away, but it will help lift the coloring of the stain. Fabulous tip. All right, there it is, my friends. We have <laughs> drunk our way through another episode. <laughs> on behalf of Habitation Furnishing and Design, the District of Dinah, the ASID, and Jennifer Horseman from Lennox House Design, I'd like to leave everybody with the following unattributed quote. If I'd have known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Good night, everybody. La 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 la